fans and welcome to episode 121 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host Jeff and today we're reading chapter 27 of Powerless, a book I wrote in a month. So if you want to get in touch with me, head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com and right there there's three ways to contact me. We'll cover them at the end of the show. But more importantly while you're there, Buy one of the terrible books I wrote. That's the only commercial in this podcast is to buy one of these goddamn books. There's links on the page. You can get them in paper or ebook form. It doesn't matter to me. And, uh, you know, the holidays are coming up. So I think now's a good time to maybe consider buying the gift of literature for your close family and friends. And that literature should have been written in one month. So these books would be great for that. <laughs> yes. I feel like uh, when I started this, I actually, uh, I think in that intro, there was like an awkward pause after, what, I am your host? Like I couldn't remember my name. So that that's a good sign of how well today's going to go. <laughs> yeah, so we're uh, recording. Uh, this is actually a Wednesday today. I hopefully can get through this. Listen to the episode, edit it, make sure it's good and stuff like that. Uh, I tried to do this episode earlier. I really hated how it sounded, though. I don't know. Uh, Not today, earlier today. I mean earlier, well, earlier last week, quite honestly. But I think today we're just going to, you know, we're going to work with this episode. It was something wrong with it. I was so off. I felt bad about it. So I think this one's going to be better. You know what I mean? Um... Yeah, so we're going to have some fun today. Uh, It's pretty early in the morning for me to be doing anything like drinking, but, you know, duty calls, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, let's see. Today we're reading chapter 27. So that comes in at 151 lines. Ooh, and so I have a note here, very consistent, because what, last week's episode, 159 lines. So I'm keeping these chapters pretty consistent. My guess is actually that each chapter at this point is one days of typing for uh, National Novel Writing Month, which is almost done right into the show if you're doing National Novel Writing Month. That's exciting. Um, But anyway, uh, I I just find it interesting that the numbers are so close together. Um, All I have in this is that uh, we're going to have some callbacks to earlier parts of the book. Uh, That's fun. Um, I'll try to point it out and tell you the inconsistencies because, you know, I didn't do a good job writing this book. It's just written. So that's all we were shooting for was words on a page. Well, it's not even on a page, is it? It's still still in a text file. You can't buy this one. I suppose I should edit this one, but this one's so bad. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but anyway, sorry, sorry, let's get back to this. Uh, so we're going to have a callback to an earlier part of the book, and we're going to have some excitement. That's rare in this book. Usually they just go to meetings or talk to each other or sneak away from danger. So let's have some excitement. That'll be fun. What was I just going to say? I feel like I was going to bring something up. Now I'm forgetting it. So, um, hmm. well, whatever. I guess let's just go ahead and dive in to chapter 27. So for today's episode, I am sipping on, yes, you guessed it, some cask-aged Evan Williams from the old 
basement distillery cask that I have downstairs. I'm having it on the rocks. Um, it's uh, a little woody, but it's kind of like, uh, what do I want to say? Evan Williams is bitter. It's like a sour mash, I believe. And while I do like that out of like a wild turkey or a buffalo trace, uh, I don't know. The Evan Williams seems harsher. And it's also cheaper, so it's not like surprising. And I find the barrel just is not evening it out like I thought it would. I want to get some more ancient age uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey and put that in there. That really turned out nice after sitting in there for a few weeks. I got to get some more of that shit in there. Mm, That was good. Okay, but we're going to be sipping on this and it's probably too early to be doing so, but here we are. Mm. Henry awoke at dawn in bed next to Margot. Right? That sounded bad. (laughs) He wanted to sleep later, but between his neck pain and his desire to reach home, he couldn't remain asleep. He quietly rose from bed, and he was happy to see Margot didn't stir. He was only happy that she continued to sleep because he wanted her to sleep. Okay. All right. I hope the next sentence clears this up. Uh... She looked peaceful and beautiful, one bent, bare leg jutting from under the covers, her black hair spread out on her pillow. He still found her astoundingly beautiful, despite all the recent tension between them. Strolling to the—wow, sleeping in sin, am I right? Strolling to the window, do they have sin in the world of magic? Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, right into the show, Jeffrey's book. Strolling to the window and looking out into the stables, he saw more horses than he remembered being present the previous night. That's got a smell. Hope he had the window shut. The lack of any carts or carriages revealed that none of the horses belonged to merchants or farmers. He thought nothing of it as he dressed minimally to visit the dressed minimally to visit the dining room and fetch some hot tea for himself and Margot. I would have gone bloody Mary myself. What the fuck does dressed minimally mean? (laughs) Opening the door as quietly as possible. Sound effects. Nice. He slipped into the hallway. I would make like stepping, but all right. Gently, he pulled the door closed behind him in an effort to keep Margot asleep. Once he was in the hallway alone, he started towards the stairs until he heard voices below. He thought nothing of it until he heard the words, neck wound, float up the stairs and into the hallway. Oh, remember Henry has a neck wound. That's great. Uh, He carefully took another step before turning and heading back to his room. What oh, took another step before turning and heading back to it? Why did he take another step? What is that even? Mm. <sighs> I don't even know what was like going through my head. <laughs> he opened and closed the door carefully and returned to the bed, sitting beside the sleeping Margot. She stirred when he touched the bed and looked at him sleepily. Henry raised a finger to his lips to signal quiet. Her sleepiness seemed to vanish in an instant, like my cat. 
The bartender is telling someone downstairs about my neck wound, he whispered. But Jeff didn't. There's also new horses in the stable. How many new horses, she asked. I'd guess five. That's a lot, Margot said, rising and pulling on clothes as fast as she could retrieve them. So I don't know that I'd notice five. That's like looking out of your, you know, um, what are we saying? Like embassy suites room and saying like, wow, there's five extra cars in the parking lot. We, ugh. I guess it's not. It's like there's five extra motorcycles in the parking lot, right? Because I think the car, would, I don't know, maybe, well, I guess in this case, Maybe you'd say there's five police cars in the parking lot. Is that it? I don't know. I feel like the police would just bash down your door anyway, right? And then just unload a full clip into you while you sleep. You know, once their body cameras are off. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. Sorry, I was having a drinking break. Yeah. Sorry to, uh, whatever. What are you going to do? I said it, and we don't edit the show. Okay. Um, five. That's a lot, Margo said. We have to get out of here, Henry said. I'll wake the others, and I'll make a show of talking about breakfast. Hopefully, they'll get up to speed quickly. They seemed dumb, Henry, so good luck with that. He rose and opened the door while Jeff scrolled down, this time disregarding any attempt to be quiet. He walked to the next door and knocked repeatedly. Eventually, Azan, possibly the most diverse of the three, came to the door, and Henry forced his way past him. Time to get breakfast and head out, he said loudly. Time to get breakfast and head out, he said loudly. Let's go! He stood idly as the remaining two, spelled two, (laughs) T-O. I like how I said it was spelled like two, which I just said. Uh, Okay. You know what? Go to hell. It's early, all right? He stood idly as the remaining two rose, the remaining two rose from bed and pulled on the previous day's clothes. Gross. They all, do, do you guys like wearing like the previous day's clothes when you travel? Oh, God. It stinks. I think the worst part of it is like, I don't know, the pants are what really bother me. <laughs> Like, I like some nice, crisp, clean, washed pants, but, like, when you slide on that, when you slide on a pair of jeans that you've already worn, and, like, you can see where the knee bends were, and, like, it almost seems like the quad, you know, around your uh, quads, your thighs, like, they're a little lighter, because, ah, god damn, ugh, they feel, like, itchy, and yuck, yuck, ugh, all right, <laughs> I wouldn't do good camping, would I? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think um, old Jeff here likes to take a lot of showers and be clean all the time. Uh, uh, does anybody know where I was? Um, oh, the previous day is close. When they were nearly ready, Henry again raised a single finger to his lips. They all looked at him confused because they're a bunch of dumb shits. There are people downstairs waiting for us, Hen- he whispered before raising his finger again. Are you all ready to run? All three nodded, concerned. Good. Follow me outside. Uh, Extra L's, had to pronounce them. And we'll stop to get Margot. 
Then I planned to light up the dining room. Uh Uh-huh, just like the club. In the hall, Henry led, stopping at his door to say, Margot, let's go. She opened the door, nodding, and Henry continued down the hall. Behind him, he heard whispered arguing as the three young mages told Margot to wait with them. Henry shook his head in frustration because they're dumbasses and prepared a spell that should incapacitate anyone not explicitly ready for it. Looking da- looking at the stairs, his looking at the stairs, his view would be obscured until he was at least halfway down due to the inn's layout. So I'm guessing that's like uh, down here in the basement studio audience here, you guys, the live studio audience. You saw it coming down the basement. Like, you have that wall that goes down most of the stairs, but then ends with, like, five, six steps left. You know what I mean? You guys saw it over here, right at the hairpin turn. Yeah, they're all nodding. They know what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe subscribe to, like, Better Homes and Gardens and, you know, look at some house layouts. You know, pick up a book and read something once in a while. Jesus. Oh, God. Um, taking a deep breath, he hurried down the stairs in what he hoped sounded like a jaunty pace. Still, if we recall, minimally dressed. (laughs) I picture him in just boxer shorts and like, uh, what kind of t-shirt is he wearing? Huh? Help me out here. What kind of pro? All right. I'm going to say it's probably like a pro sports team. A t-shirt, but, but he got it for free. So let's say it was like being handed out at like a community fair. So it's like a, where is Henry from? Like New York, huh? So it's probably like a Buffalo Bills t-shirt, right? But, you know, instead of being like a cool Bills t-shirt, like the whole back is covered by some, let's say, I think I drive through Buffalo. So I'm going to say like a big ad for M&T Bank. <laughs> You know what I mean? And everybody who would see that shirt would be like, well, clearly this guy didn't like go to the store and get a Bill shirt. But let's make it worse because he's wearing it to bed. There's probably something wrong with it. I'm going to say a hole in one of the armpits. Okay, so that's what he's wearing right now. Boxer shorts, a Buffalo Bills slash M&T Bank t-shirt with a hole in what do you think? I'm going to go right armpit. I don't think we know what hand is dominant on Henry, but let's go with the right because, I mean, the odds are in her favor. Okay. I think we really described that well. That should have been in the book, don't you think? I think so. I'm going to have a sip. Mm. Okay. As soon as he was halfway down he could and could see most of the dining room, he quickly scanned the room for antagonists. <laughs> That's good because this is a book. <laughs> With one turn of the head, he saw the bartender behind the bar, two mages waiting near nearby, two mages nearby waiting, I sh- probably should reverse those words, and four soldiers behind them, hands on swords. Sir, you are to one of the mages started. Henry, however, brought his obscured left hand uh, I guess, is that because of the layout? I don't know. Right into the show... Henry, however, brought his obscured left hand across his body so nobody could see the hole in his right armpit. Ah, that's why. And launched a white-hot fireball at one of the mages. It smashed into his chest and broke apart, sending the flame in every direction and immediately igniting everything it touched. 
The mage he had hit fell back into the guards, all now burning somewhere on their leather armor and uniforms. Ooh, probably because it cost, what, 1,400 gold pieces to upgrade to, like, the copper-plated armor? And then, I mean, nobody's got the 2,000 gold pieces yet to get the, uh, what, the steel plate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been playing an RPG lately, so I think... <laughs> Um, it's smattered and broken apart. The mage he had hit fell back into... Okay, they're all burning, yeah. The second mage was thrown backwards into the bar, and he quickly tried to pat out the fast-spreading flames. The bartender desperately worked to extinguish the spreading white fire as it ignited everything in the room with true non-magical fire. I don't know why. I mean... Is there a difference? I don't know. If you think there's a difference between regular and non-magical fire, wait, magical and non-magical fire, right into the show. Go to jeffreadsbook.com. My bar, you bastard, he yelled as he worked. Let's go, yelled as, well, you know what? He's going to get a bad Yelp review for treating the customers so bad. Let's go, yelled. Yelled. I don't know who who yelled. Let's go, yelled, as the other occupants of the room tried to fight against the fire. And confusion. Drinking break! I think I'm going to pause. I I didn't fill this glass up well, so we might have to... uh, We're going to take a little break. Seamless transition back to the podcast. Wow. I'm like the consummate professional. Is that the word you use there? Consummate? I think so. I don't know. Mm-mm-mm. So that was a true drinking break. Let's keep going. Margot charged down the stairs. I probably should have scrolled before we started. So not so professional. Margot charged down the stairs, horrified by the mayhem Henry had caused. He remained in attack position, waiting to see if the still-standing mage would retaliate. His cloak, however, kept reigniting. I guess the... Still standing mage. How is it reigniting and not magical fire? Huh? uh, This is so stupid. Shouldn't it? mm, I don't know. All right. How about this? This is probably... Okay, so Henry sets them alight with magical fire, right? But, I mean, let's assume the bar is made out of wood. Because Would you make a bar not out of wood? Right into the show! Go to jeffreadsbook.com! I actually have no idea. I, I mean, what else would you make it out of? I guess... I just feel like there's going to be wood involved. You know what I mean? Can you imagine the remodeling necessary if you made it out of, like, brick or stone? Good lord! What if you wanted to move it? Like, you have it up against one wall, but you wanted to switch to, like, the island layout? You know what I mean? Which I think, I kind of like the island layout, but it can't be, uh, what do I want to say? Like when it has the big like center display with all the drinks in it and stuff like that, that kind of in a way ruins the island layout, right? Because then you can't see across the bar to the other side, and then you can't talk with people across the bar on the other side. We would previously, pre-pandemic, go to a in-town restaurant here that did have like an island bar but they had nothing in the center it was completely open in the center so like their booze really wasn't on display which i know john taffer would not like but you could talk to people across the bar and it was nice i mean i like that layout i think that's almost ideal i think in a way it keeps people there a little longer but 
All right. What? Okay. What the fuck are we talking about? Or right, anyway. So yeah, I would think the bar's made out of wood. So the we are on a tangent today. The magic fire, like lights. The I mean, I would assume the magic fire. You would guess is hot. So maybe it is like starting just conventional combustion of the wood that makes up the bar. Do you think that's what's happening? Probably a lot of varnish on the bar too. And boy, you know that's gonna burn. So. That's my guess. So that's what I meant by that uh, non-magical fire is all the wood bits of the room are lighting on fire, whereas the white fire that's lighting their armor up is probably magical fire. What do you guys think? Right into the show, jeffreadsbook.com. Stepping out as the off-balanced soldier tried to recover, she blasted him with an energy burst that was as powerful as she could manage sending him careening to the ground, his sword flying from his hand. Henry! she yelled, now that she was outside and safe. She was outside. Did I skip, like, a whole section? Nah, we're good. Okay, oh, that's a drinking break. I'm sorry. Okay, let me get back here. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You know what? I really did fuck this up. Let's try this again. Uh, okay. Margo charged down the stairs. We're going to read this whole section again. I would, I should make a uh, timestamp, all right? And we'll edit this out, okay? And three, two, one, mark. Okay. All right. Margo charged down the stairs. Do I have to redo that section about um, talking about uh, the fire and... The style of bar I love. Okay, now we've just fucked the whole podcast up. Okay. Margot reached the bottom of the stairs and turned left down the hallway to the rear entrace and stables. She didn't look back, but she hoped the three young mages were following. Approaching the door, she prepared a mirage of her exiting the building and kicked the door open, releasing the, sp- the spell. A sword swung uselessly in front of her, trying to cut her apparition as she expected might happen. If you're going to, like, uh, surprise somebody by swinging your sword when they come through a door, do you go for the neck? I feel like that's a risky proposition, right? Because what if they're really short? Or if they're tall and you, like, hit shoulders? I mean, it'll hurt with your sword, but let's face it, you're not, you're not going through freaking shoulders, you know what I mean? There's a lot of bone up there. You'll just hurt them badly, I suppose. I feel like you're best going for where you think, like, the stomach's going to be. Maybe? I don't know. Then you get rib cages if they're short or, like, pelvis. I don't know. Right into the show. How do you stab people by surprise? Go to jeffreadsbook.com. Okay. Um, Stables, stables, stables. Stepping out, okay. Stepping out as the off-balance soldier tried to recover. Oh, I remember when we read this last time. Oh, I can't keep doing that. We gotta edit again. She blasted him with an energy burst that was as powerful as she could manage, sending him careening to the ground, his sword flying from his hand. Henry, she yelled now that she was outside and safe. Drinking break! Okay, so that made a little more sense, huh? Hmm. Second time through, that made more sense. Oh, I shouldn't have said second time through. All right, edit this out. All right, three, two, one, mark. Okay. So that was exciting when she came outside. Do you like that? That was a smooth transition. Better than the last time. Oh, I said last time. Okay. 
Why don't we just keep reading? Because this sucks. All right. I think we've had enough of the retake joke that I'm not going to edit out. Huh? I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> and I don't even care about this podcast. Am I? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I do care about this podcast. That's why I do it on such a regular schedule. <clears throat> Henry heard Margot's yell and bolted down the hallway towards the rear entrance. Right? Okay. A wall to his left exploded as an attack missed its mark, reaching the door. He turned and launched another fireball at the floor, causing the wood planks to erupt in flames. Outside, he found a soldier climbing to his feet. Henry sent a lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, into his back as he tried to recover his sword, and the man went down unconscious instantly. That's nice. I hope he's not just killing everybody. Although he didn't burn down an inn. It's the second time this, these two have committed arson. All right. To his left, he saw Margot vault over a low fence, followed by the three Frevens run mages, who also practice gymnastics, I guess. Henry followed, looking back periodically to see if they were being followed. After jumping the fence, he saw one mage appear from the drive to the stables. He launched an attack towards Henry. He easily avoided it. I feel like we should maybe be using names at this point. Henry easily avoided it, is I think what we want there, and kept sprinting as the attacking mage stood stationary. They're getting the horses, Henry yelled to Margot as she crossed another backyard. Follow me, she yelled back. Henry assumed she knew what she was doing. Another drinking break! Oh, there's lots of them in this chapter, huh? Mm. Not good for the rest of my day. Okay, let's scroll down before we keep reading here. Margot was pretty sure there was a crick at the western edge of this village. See, I midwested it up for the lovely Lara. That's how she says it. She says crick. At least I think she does. I think that's right, right? Is that right, the lovely Lara? Uh-huh. Uh, right into the show, jeffreadsbook.com. She remembered maps showing that it should run north-south, but they hadn't encountered one yet during their travels. She hoped they could ford it quickly before the magistrate's men arrived. When she... When... Oh, wait. Oh, uh, I don't know where I'm getting when. <laughs> she saw the stream... Just one house over, Jeff clearly used the Sesaurus for this chapter, and she led her party through the homeowner's garden to an adjoining street. Running down the embankment, ooh, big word, she stopped short. There was a crick just beyond the road, but it was drastically wider than she had hoped. Moreover, the water was black and unhealthy. Something was wrong here, but she couldn't be sure. Billings is on, and Horatio arrived at the street and looked down at Margot standing on the banks of the crick. Ugh, that smell! exclaimed Azan. What's in this water? I don't think it's just water, Horatio said as Margot climbed the embankment back to the road. She could see a bridge to their south in case we weren't doing enough directions along the main road crossing the polluted stream. Okay, I guess I didn't get the thesaurus out, because we're only using two synonyms. And the road on which she stood continued in both directions. Are you getting this? I feel like this chapter with the directions 
is uh, very much a, like, uh, anybody play, like, a text adventure on their computer back in the 80s if you were alive? Probably not. Um, I'm thinking, like, Zork. Look it up. Go look up. Go to www.bing.com and type in Zork and look it up. Yeah, Bing. How about that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's much easier to do like, and whatever, okay. It's less letters to type. What's the big deal? Okay. Where the hell were we? Uh, you can see a bridge there. Okay. When Henry caught up, she formed the best plan she could think of. We need to cross the stream, Margot said quickly. Go down the embankment with these three and hide them under the bridge. I'll backtrack and see what I can do. You'll stay safe, Henry asked for assurance. Of course, she responded, before hurrying through the backyards and gardens of the Main Street homes. Wow, so much trespassing in this chapter. Drinking break! Mm -mm -mm. Henry led the three down the embankment and along the foul-smelling stream towards the stone bridge of the main road. The embankment was taller than any of them, so an approaching horseman couldn't see them as they moved quickly but carefully along. When they arrived at the stone bridge, Henry waved the three underneath before following. Let's scroll down, because this is a big part. And so Henry found himself trying to hide himself, oh god damn it, in a culvert, waiting for Margot to return. That's right. We've heard this section before, maybe in the prologue, probably a little different. Today at breakfast, uh, I got, um, has anybody read A Clockwork Orange? I got that out of the library yesterday. And uh, I only got through the prologue last night. And uh, what do I want to say? So today I was trying to tell Laura about it and at breakfast. God, I'm saying and a lot. This is a run-on sentence. What a terrible author I am. I was trying to tell... Laura about the prologue of that book, but I couldn't think of the word prologue. I kept call I I think two or three times I called it the prelude, which I feel like that's not like wildly different. Although I guess prelude would assume like it's does that like imply that it's part of the story? You know, in this sense that a prelude to like Music, isn't that a, what a prelude's from? That That's kind of part of the composition. I don't know. Right into the show, jeffreydisbook.com! But I'm not really artistic, as you can tell by the terrible, like, plot lines of these books. So I really don't have any understanding of that. Yeah, yeah. If you need me to do some uh, calculus, I'm on it. But if you want me to write a story or even describe how to do that, yeah, it's going to be bad. Okay, you're going to get things like prelude and non-existent plot lines. <laughs> he tried to sit al Okay. He tried to sit along the curved stone surface of the culvert, struggling to keep from sliding down towards the dark, muddy water. Though it flowed slowly, the smell was repulsive, just like them because they're wearing yesterday's pants. Furthermore, in the darkness under the bridge, he could see what m he couldn't see what might be in the stream. Well, you were walking along it just a few seconds ago, you douche. Henry sighed and wrapped his arms around his knees, wiggling his toes in his boots. Is he still dressed like an idiot? <sighs> yeah, he's still minimally dressed, I think. 
Um, Henry sat wiggling his toe. He could. He tried to remember what having dry socks felt like. He found he couldn't remember and frowned. He longed to return to his little cottage in bed. Okay, a lot of problems with that paragraph. Further down to his right, under the stone bridge, the three younger mages he had been escorting looked filthy. It made him wonder if he looked as unfortunate as them at the moment. Well, he's in boxer shorts, so probably. The two closest to him stared at the underside of the bridge expectantly with worried faces. The third just looked straight ahead, but the darkness hid his countenance. Uh, the voice of the innkeeper was suddenly audible above him on the bridge. Four of them, yes. They took this road out of town. I suggested this way just as you wanted. Henry grimaced at the last statement. Nobody would be helping them. Four of the, how does Margot, Henry, and the three younger mages add up to four, huh? Hmm. Okay. Another man spoke. They'll be ours soon enough. You've done well. Okay, I think somebody's going to get sued by George Lucas. Or probably the Walt Disney Company now, I guess. Hmm. You know, I got to hand it to George Lucas. Good way to cash out. He's always been about the money, though, so... He just fucking sold that shit off, retired on it. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> uh, they'll be all right. You've done well. Anything to stop these rebels? Oh, wow. This is very Star Warsy, huh? The innkeeper replied. Silence returned. Looking up with his eyes closed, Henry wondered what the point of any of this was anymore. And that ends chapter 27. So I think you guys see what I mean. There was some excitement in that chapter. And I mean, the callback is that last paragraph, which isn't very good, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I have a little drink left. Um, it, it, it was in the prologue of this book, right? So we're trying to get... What do I want to say? That to Matt, you know, this is the point where Henry hits his low, right? Yeah, so uh, if you were having an intervention to get Henry to leave the world of magic, I think right now would be the time to do it. He's pretty bummed that he's along a stream with, for whatever reason, wet boots. Because, I mean, he slept in a fucking inn. Just leave him next to the fireplace. What? That, okay, so I will say, and this is pretty clear, I think. I wrote the prologue first. Right. And then I had to fit that prologue paragraph into the book. And this is how I did it. Not great. Right. It's yeah, it's not great. It's not great. It doesn't match up. The four people thing doesn't match. Um, it's I don't know. It's bad. They stayed in an inn, yet Henry's feet are wet. I, and even, you know, one thing that is annoying is that it even says an innkeeper. And what the fuck? I mean... How would their boots be wet? Ugh, okay, let's go back to the top and see if it's the same. Okay, I feel like I copy-pasted it when I was doing this. So, yeah, it's the same. It's just, it's just bad. I think that's the problem with it, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, what do you want me to do? Uh, um, We don't know what Margot did yet. I think, are we going to find out like next chapter or something like that? Let's go see. Oh, 
Jesus Christ. I gotta scroll back down here. Uh, la, 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 la. What chapter were we reading? Yeah, here we are. Do, 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 do. I feel like, though, this chapter, Henry's hit his low, so we're really approaching, like, the denouement of the book, don't you think? He's probably getting very fed up with, uh, well, apparently culverts, you know? He doesn't like to sit near cricks, right? I would call it a creek, but I do want the lovely Laura to, like, you know, follow along with the book, so I'm trying to say crick more, because that's, that's how she says it, so... Uh, but other than that, I don't know. It was exciting, kind of stupid, poorly written, usual stuff. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Let's do um, some discussion questions, okay? All right, we have two questions this week. Very simple. Uh, first, uh, Henry spent the whole chapter, episode, whatever. Uh, he sent it, spent it minimally dressed, right? And so we figured out that obviously that meant Buffalo Bills t-shirt boxer shorts. Okay. What do you consider minimally dressed, huh? And I think what what would you consider a like even this is like a part 2, but what would you even consider like a uh, what do I want to say? Like reference point for minimally dressed. Right. I mean, I can walk around my house naked. That's would be, I guess, minimal. Well, that's not dressed. Right. So I guess if I walked around my house naked, but wearing socks, one person might argue that's minimally dressed. Right. But if I have to get the paper in my driveway, I got to at least put on boxer shorts. And that has happened. Just the boxer shorts, probably and socks going out to get the paper. <laughs> Uh, I think I've told that story on the podcast, so let's move on. But I feel like minimally dressed is like uh, not just your driveway, maybe. Maybe you're, well, you know what? Fuck. Well, all right. All right. Let's reference it like Henry was doing, right? Um, so if I went downstairs in a hotel I was staying at to get tea and coffee, which has happened in the past, what would you consider minimally dressed? I'm going to say, if I was wearing a pajama shirt, the pajama shirt, if I'm not wearing a pajama shirt, uh, I'm digging up like the shittiest t-shirt I brought with me. Probably that Buffalo Bill shirt, am I right? I don't have a Buffalo Bill shirt, but I do have like, you know, equivalents for the Cleveland area. Okay. And then, I don't know, if I'm going to get coffee and tea in the hotel, it's probably going to be whatever pants I had on the previous day, unless, and we're going to go back again, I explicitly brought shorts. But these days I've gotten used to not bringing like anything to like have as pajamas. And then um, probably shoes because it's a hotel, right? But definitely not socks, right? That's not going to happen. And then I'll go downstairs and be seen in public like that. And look a fright because I got that bed head going and my bed head gets bad. That, that's what I would think. Um, what about you? What's minimally dressed, right? I, it, I think people have completely like varied understanding of that term because I see people grocery shopping in pajamas and uh, here's a heads up. If you're older than 22, you, you're that's a problem. you got to stop doing that, all right? <laughs> I don't care if your pajama pants are comfy. 
Wow. What the hell's, what is going on in your life that you could not put on like acceptable pants? You're wearing the fucking fleece pajamas with like flying pigs printed on them to the grocery store. You just look like you smell. And I mean, that's anybody really. I don't, it doesn't matter how like hot or hunky you are. That's a bad look out of the house, right? In the house, that's fine. That's fine. I wouldn't think anything of it. But if you're wearing them to the grocery store, it's kind of nasty. <laughs> That's starting to make me question how often you do the laundry. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. All right. Question two. All right. And Laura doesn't have to answer this one because I already know the answer she has. But when you're talking about a creek, uh, what is the term you use? A creek or a crick? What, what, what is your vernacular? How about that? We already know the lovely Laura says crick. That's a given. But um, what do you say? I grew up saying creek, right? Out on the East Coast. Yep. And uh, But I can't think of many creeks. So I guess I didn't say that a lot. But I, I guess I did. Whatever. I don't know. But uh, yeah, right into the show. Which one do you say? I feel like saying crick is a Midwest thing. I don't know. But do they say that in the South of the United States? Uh, the Deep South? I don't know. I don't know. I think they probably say crick down there, too. Just like how the lovely Laura says it. Yes. Uh, but anyone else? She's going to be so mad at this episode. <laughs> okay. Um, but what about you? Uh, right into the show, you're going to go over to jeffreadshisbook.com. And right there, there's three ways to contact me. You can hit me up via email. Yeah, you go to... Uh, you go to Oh boy, I'm getting I'm getting confused. All right, if you're gonna if you're gonna write to me via email, this is how I picture it going. You're gonna um, turn on your you're gonna open your laptop. I'm guessing it's a 17 inch, maybe a 15 because you're cheap, right? And then you're gonna click the mail icon that for whatever reason is still on your Windows taskbar, right? And it's gonna open up Windows Mail, which Wow, I don't even know what to say to that. And then uh, you're going to type in Jeff at rainbow-100.com. Caps Lock is probably on for you because you're doing this via email. And then you're going to type the entire message to me in the subject line. You would be shocked how many times I get that. Okay, and then just hit send. And then the reply to address because you didn't actually set up Windows Mail will be garbage. (laughs) So I won't be able to respond to you when you tell me uh, when you ask me a question about my writing process. So I'll have to do it on the show. Or you can go over to Twitter and you can hit me up at Fortran Jeff. And let me see, how is that going to go? Right. So uh, you're going to use, um, you're going to unlock your iPhone with uh, your face, right? I don't exactly know how that works. So I don't have one of those because I'm old as shit and I'm cheap as shit. Then you're going to go to the Twitter app, right? And then you're going to start going through your notifications because you're going to have a ton of those in case you missed it for, mm, what, People Magazine? Um, oh, and probably whatever political party you're affiliated with and you only follow people of that party, right? And then probably uh, an hour from now, you'll remember, oh shit, you wanted to ask me a question. So you'll do exactly those same steps and again, forget and then another hour will pass. You'll be like, oh, shit, I forgot to send that to uh, Jeff on the podcast. 
And then you'll do the same thing and never actually send me something. I think that's how the, that's the Twitter workflow, right? Okay. Or you can hit me up. You go to Mastodon at Jeff at toot.rainbow-100.com. And this is how this one's going to work. Um, you're going to open up your web browser and you're going to connect to your Mastodon instance and it'll be down. So <laughs> you won't be able to send a toot. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's exciting, isn't it? And so that's probably why I get no feedback, right? And uh, that's it. Yeah, so this has been a fun episode, I feel like. Good Wednesday episode. I got to edit this shit and I got to do it like right now because I won't do it if I wait. Um, and uh, what else? It's getting close to lunch. So I'm going to eat some lunch. And that's right. I'm drinking before lunch. Yay. Mm. A little bit left. So I'm going to go enjoy that. And until next time, keep on reading. Mm-hmm.